0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Shred's Takes, brought to you by me, Mike Shredder. Thank you guys again for tuning in to this podcast. I'm glad that you guys are taking the time to listen to this podcast. But pretty much the interesting thing about it is we got lots to talk about, right? It's been a few weeks since I've been on on and talking about some stuff, and I'm glad to be back. It's been two weeks, I think, since I've done my last episode, so just excited to tackle on some more stuff for you guys and discuss some more. Content as we head in, obviously toward the end of summer, but there's been a lot of stuff to discuss um, for sure. And I think that you know, we're, I'm really excited to see how things unfold, definitely within the NBA uh, landscape of things and how things are going to you know transpire in free agency. But I want to give a few talking points today. So the first thing we're going to talk about is what my impressions of the New York Knicks summer league has been. Now, I know summer league isn't that important but we are going to discuss that. Then we're also going to talk about, you know, what do I expect from the New York Giants this year? And, you know, where, where ideally what I look at in that, and, and, it, and it's just like that's kind of the way I look at it. And I'm also going to talk about later on how I see players like Jalen Green, Cade Cunningham, guys like that flourishing in the NBA, and ultimately who at this point – is better the east or the west so that's going to be an important point to bring up too but I want to start off with, with the first initial thing which is basically who I think right now is is better the east or the west and to, to bring to break that down I, I think it's pretty simple um, I, I think that you have to look at the west I think is a little bit of a stronger conference and the reason I, I look at it that way is the east has gotten a lot better the east and west are very close in terms of Competitive teams. But I would say if you look at the East from a whole landscape thing, right? The East has basically, we're looking at Miami, we're looking at Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Atlanta, Philly, right? Chicago, the Knicks, and the AFC probably would be, I would probably think the Pacers or the Celtics or someone around there, right? And then, but if you look at just record wise last year, right? The Knicks had, I think, won 41 or 42 games in the regular season. The Lakers won that, and the Knicks were the fourth seed, and the Lakers were the seventh seed, right? So record-wise, that tells you what you need to know. I think that tells you at least to that the teams in the, regular, in the regular season are better from the Western Conference than they are from the Eastern Conference. Now, the Eastern Conference, like I said, has gotten better, right? Chicago upgraded with Alex Caruso, DeMar DeRozan, Zach, not Zach Levine, Alonzo Ball, Right. They got Nick Vucevic last year. So they had, they had great pieces, but I think you're also looking at the fact that Miami, for example, got a lot of good pieces as well. Right. Miami has Victor Oladipo coming back. They have Kyle Lowry coming in, PJ Tucker coming in, right. They re-signed Duncan Robinson. So look, if you look in you know Philadelphia, who knows with them, right. They could get Damian Lillard. They could not get Damian Lillard. We have no idea. Right. But if you're generally looking at like who's proven it already and like who's consistently been better, the West is still consistently better. I know the East, the guys, the teams have made upgrades in the free agency market. Right. But ultimately at the end of the day, like you have to go prove that for me to say that you're, the conference is slightly better. Right. Brooklyn, for example, right. They're the overwhelming favorites for next year's NBA finals. Right. But the point that, that people I think forget about is that you have to go prove and get that done right? I, I think when you look at the Brooklyn Nets, they should be the overwhelming favorites. I'm not saying they shouldn't be, right? They upgrade with Patty Mills this offseason. They have their big three coming back. Katie just signed to a four-year deal, right? And Harden and, and Kyrie are still looking to sign their, their deals. Uh, that that's, And Sean Marks is confident about that. And then, look, Milwaukee should definitely be up there. Obviously, they were the NBA champions last year. And I think they are basically the same team. I think losing P.J. Tucker was a little bit of a loss for them, but they're generally going to be the same team they were last year, so a team that's fighting for championship contention. But again, after that point, right? I think Atlanta is going to be very good. I think Miami and Chicago should be very good, and Philadelphia also should be very good. But the thing is, again, right in the Western Conference, you've got the Lakers who, as we all saw, they they made major upgrades this offseason, obviously with getting Russell Westbrook, they gained Carmelo Anthony, Kendrick Nunn, Wayne Ellington, Dwight Howard, you know, the list can go on there, right? They, they got a lot of good pieces in their lineup. Right. But then you also look at the fact that the Warriors should be better this year. Now, I don't think I, I'm not in a in the, in the sense of saying the Warriors are going to be a championship contender, but the Warriors are going to be a better team generally because they have you know all their pieces coming back this season. Then you're also looking at the fact that like Dallas is still going to be very good, right? You're going to look at the fact that Memphis is going to improve. You're going to look at the fact that um, the Clippers are still going to be a playoff team, right? With Paul George and their team. Like they still have a deep team. Obviously Utah is going to be in that conversation. You're obviously looking at teams such as Denver, right? Denver's getting Jamal Murray back. I think they're as good as any team in the Eastern conference when they bring those guys back, but Look, I, and I'm not trying to, you know, the Eastern Conference is not quite as good as the Western Conference, right? It's still not because you need the teams need to prove to me that they are still consistent of the regular season and the postseason, right? Just because you got all these free acquisitions doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be, you know, one of the top teams in the NBA necessarily, right? It doesn't. Now, you should be on paper, but again, it comes down to coaching. It comes down to fit. It comes down to chemistry, Right. So that, so that's kind of the way I look at it. Right. So right now I would say the Western conference is still slightly better than the Eastern conference when you're evaluating NBA teams. And that's just how I look at it. Now, jumping into another topic, we're going to, I want to discuss a little bit and that's the the next summer league, right? What are my takeaways from that? Well, a, the summer league is not really, I, I guess a good indication of how they're going to play in the regular season because the competition's not as good, right? The summer league is a lot of guys who are trying to make a team or a lot of younger guys who are rookies who are trying to get used to what an NBA style game is like, right? The games are not as, you know, in terms of talent is now are not as talented in terms of guys who maybe, you know, are stars in the NBA. Right. So generally when I look at it, right, it's a good chance for you to see rookies. And then if you have guys who are bench players on a contending team or a playoff team, it's to see how much they've developed. And frankly, I was talking to, to you know a few people about this, but the guy who's played very well in summer league, to his credit, has been Obi Toppin. He's played fantastic, right? He's he scored 31 in, in one of their more recent games. He had like 17 and 11 in one other game, and he's been fantastic. And the reason why I'm excited about him is not because he's going to come in next season and average 20 points a game. I don't expect him to do that, obviously. But I think he's a guy that can give you eight to ten points a game off the bench, and the reason being is he looks more comfortable in his offensive skill set. You can tell he's been really working on his game, his ability to at least be a guy who can trail and make a three. He can do that. His ability to get to the rim, he looks much more kit- comfortable with his handle, and he looks also much more comfortable moving without the basketball, posting up and making a move. Right? He, he He's more decisive than he used to be in during his rookie season. And that's important, right? Look, and the good news about summer league is it's a chance for these guys to work on their skill sets and build confidence, right? That's that, that's important, especially even if you're a rookie too. That's the, that's all this is what this opportunity is for, right? And it's a chance for some of the guys to make the team, right? And that's important as well. So you look at all this this whole dilemma, right? With with Obi Toppin, look, is he going to be a bust or not? Now, Obi Toppin might not be worthy of the eighth pick, but the fact that he's really improved over the summer might be a good thing for the Knicks, right? Not just might be, it's going to be a good thing. If he plays with the same level of confidence and aggression that he plays with so far in the summer league. So I like the, what I've seen from him, Emmanuel quickly. I know what I'm going to get from Emmanuel quickly. He's a guy that can give you offensive bursts. He's got a good floater. He can hit threes. He's got major confidence and he's a guy that's not afraid of big moments, right? So that, that the summer league hasn't really changed my mind on him so much because He's not a guy that necessarily, like, you're going to look at and say, okay, you know, is it, he, hasn't have, he has a confidence issue. That's not the problem with him, right? It, it's more, is he going to be more consistent with this jump shot, which, again, there have been games where he's been really good and games where he's been having a bad shooting night, right, which is kind of what I saw a lot last year with him too. But I like him off the bench, right? He's a guy that can bring an offensive punch. He's going to bring an energy off the bench. He'll bring a flair, a swag that a lot of players – that are younger maybe don't you know bring that into the game necessarily and he has a lot of confidence in his game so nothing in the summer league has necessarily changed my opinion on him but i think the big thing that that definitely sparked my interest was what quinton grinds having 28 points in the more in the more recent summer league game you know being a two-way player a guy that can shoot off the dribble shoot off the catch that was he was basically at houston really the only reliable shoot, shooter they had and they were a team that made the final four right so He's a guy that definitely knows how to play defense, right? That That's not something that, you know, he's going to struggle with, but he's also going to be a guy that can make his own shot, you know, create his own shot, but make shots from the perimeter, right? Which is something that even though the Knicks did well down the regular season, the Knicks did struggle with that in the postseason, which in turn did not result in them necessarily being successful in winning that playoff series, obviously, against Atlanta, right? Who could make perimeter shots and had more talent. So that has to be pointed to, you know, put into into account i liked what i saw from it but the big piece i think is what's been really great to watch is miles mcbride and i thought he was going to be a good piece coming out because he played for west virginia within bobby huggins system he's a guy definitely knows how to defend because west virginia plays very aggressive man-to-man defense they press you all game long so he understands how to play defense he understands what it takes to win because he played in the big 12 conference on a team that was one of the better teams in the big 12 conference so this guy knows how to play in big moments and big games, obviously. But I think that the more important thing I wanted to point out though, is the fact that he can make shots from the perimeter at a consistent rate. He was six for six, one game. And I think the, the most recent game, he had 23 points and a lot of those were threes as well. That's important, right? Cause you have guys like Kemba Walker, you have guys like RJ Barrett, Julius Randall, who like to get into the paint. Now everyone can be angry with how miss Zoe, maybe the, how they get in the paint and the way that they play, but they are, they will look to dish if they have the opportunity. And it's important to have guys that can sit there and make shots. And especially if he's coming off the bench, for example, right. He's coming off the bench. He's going to, he's going to need the opportunity to be, you know, the way he's going to get his opportunity, excuse me, is to be that four spacer and a good two-way player, a three and D guy, right. A, th- a guy who made, you know, that's, that's such a key role in the NBA today is being able to make a three point shot and play defense near the other end, right? You look at Mikel Bridges, you look at Jay Crowder, right? You look at guys like Danny Green, right? Um, that's just important, right? You need guys in that, in that situation. Like P.J. Tucker is a good example of that. That's so important. But that, again, is just what – I was happy about with the Knicks, right? It's just seeing that transition a little bit and seeing the fact that the rookies have some confidence in their game, right? That's just all I really wanted to see. So that's showing me, you know, a good move in the right direction. Now for the Knicks though, they did, I think they did pay too much money to get Evan Fournier, $78 million, way too much money for a guy who I like, but is not a superstar or a star. And then Kemba Walker is a guy who I like the addition, but Kemba Walker's injuries are a big problem. And if his knees are healthy, right, he's going to give you 19 to 22 points a game. Like like, like even with his injuries, he'll probably still give you about 18 to 19 points a game. And he's a guy that makes big shots. So I like it. But again, the Knicks ceiling right now is second round of playoffs at best, right? They're not going to be a championship contender. They're not there yet, right? They're not there, especially the way the Eastern Conference has looked. They might not even get better the first round. And, I, and that's not being, you know, a, a pessimist It's being realistic, right? The Eastern conference has gotten better. Like I mentioned earlier with teams like Chicago and Miami, definitely being better than mix Atlanta is definitely better than mix. The and then you also got Philly who, you know, is probably better than mix at this point and Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Right. So I mean, you, you have a like, like six or seven teams that are better than the mix at this point. So the Knicks have to, you know, have a lot of prudent to do, right. They have to, the rookies have to play a high level of confidence. The guys off the bench have to give them a good sense of depth, not just from a defensive standpoint, but from an offensive standpoint. And Joyce Randall's guys, you know, play big in big moments, right? So that's how I look at it with the Knicks. And this is what the summer league kind of looks like for me, right? These guys have, are showing confidence. They have to do that when they come off the bench this year, because they're going to most likely be bench players for the Knicks. So that's an important thing, at least to, to, to put into perspective, in my opinion. Now, the next things I wanted to mention, right, Cade Cunningham, right, and what should I think about him in the fact of, like, his play, right, him and Jalen Green? Well, both of them have been fantastic players, right, and they were they were fantastic in their respective roles, Jalen Green in the G League and Cade Cunningham in the Big 12 with Oklahoma State, right? Both guys had great years. They put up good numbers. They had pretty good field goal percentages, and they both had – you know, a chance to obviously be drafted in Cade's case, the number one overall pick, and then Jalen's case, the number two overall pick. And both were no surprise, right? People expected that to happen. And when they went against each other, people saw that. I think Jalen Green is, is the better offensive player. He's more explosive offensively. He can create his shot a little bit more easily. But with that being said, though, with that being said, the important point I want to bring up is the fact that I think when you look at these guys and you look at what they can do, they're going to be different for their teams, right? Jalen Green's basically just going to be a guy who's going to be an explosive scorer, right? Him and Kevin Porter Jr., Josh Christopher, guys like that are going to be basically their role in Houston. Who's going to be a rebuilding team is to score a lot of points, right? Houston's going to play very fast. I assume with these guys in the lineup and they're going to try and score a lot of points while also trying to emphasize the defensive end of the basketball, which is going to be a little bit more different in that that aspect. The second point, though, is the fact that Kay Cunningham is going to be a guy who's going to be controlling the offense a lot with Detroit. Him and Jeremy Grant are going to get the majority of the minutes and touches in that offense, and it's going to be up to them basically if Detroit's successful or not. Right? Detroit, in my opinion, is going to be a team that's like in the bottom end of the Eastern Conference. They're not that talented. Even with Kay Cunningham, they're not going to be – a team vying for a playoff spot in the Eastern conference, but Cade Cunningham has shown at least in, in, in different moments in the summer league, his ability to hit the three, his strength. I think he's a lot stronger than people think his ability to play at his own pace, which I think a lot of people were very excited about, but ultimately look these guys are both fantastic players and are going to add good value to their teams, obviously. Right. So that's, that's how I look at it. Right. So ultimately at the end of the day, that's kind of the way I evaluate young players like like how's their confidence level do they have all the facets to their game to be successful both guys check those boxes and they're just different they have all the elite skills that you need to be successful but they they score and dominate in different ways which I think they're going to both be successful in doing so and I think that will help them as they look to be franchise altering type players, right? Which is a lot of pressure to put on 19 and 20 year old kids. But ultimately that is the role of being a, a top draft pick. If you think about it, right? That is the, the that is the truth. So I think it's Jalen green is going to be the rookie of the year. And I think Kate Cunningham will be second place in that, that running. But I do like the way John, Kaminga has been playing. For example, I do like before he got injured, the way Jalen Suggs was playing. And even Dave, Mitchell has been really good. So there's been a lot of promise in this class so far that I think a lot of people did expect that. So that is a good news for this, this team overall. And the last thing I want to talk about is the New York Giants, right? I don't, I don't talk about football much, but football season's around the corner. The preseason game just happened the other day between the Giants and Jets, which none of the Giants' starters really played, so it didn't really matter that much. But the Giants, look, they have a great opportunity in their hands, right? Everyone's expecting Dallas to win the NFC East. They're on hard knocks. They're getting all this attention. But my opinion on this is simple, right? The Giants have an elite-level defense. They have good weapons on the outside. Saquon Barkley's coming back healthy, which is a good boost. And if he stays healthy, that's a big boost. And, look, they have a quarterback who is under a lot of pressure this year, right, in Daniel Jones. And especially when they traded away that pick to the Bears and the Bears got Justin Fields, there's even more pressure on Daniel Jones to deliver because of the way Justin Fields has looked so far in preseason. Justin Fields has looked fantastic. He looks like he's going to definitely be the Bears starter. And he I think he's going to lead the Bears definitely into being a successful team down the road. But this is a big – there are two big things with the Giants, right? And that is basically how healthy is Saquon Barkley going to be this entire season? That's a big question mark with him because he's had injuries in the past and he's a guy that – is a playing position where he takes a lot of hits and a lot of physical punishment because of just the way he plays, even though he's, he's very good, very elusive being a running back. You you just take a lot of physical punishment, right? That's just kind of how it is. And his health is going to be crucial because that will set up a lot of things successfully for the giants. If he's playing at a high level and he's healthy, right? So that is point number one, but the most important point is Daniel Jones. If Daniel Jones doesn't play well this year, if he turns the football over again way too much, the Giants will not make the playoffs. If he plays pretty well, if he plays turnover-free football and he plays with a, you know pretty accurately in terms of you know passing the football in terms of a high, having definitely above like a sixty-two percent completing percentage, I think the Giants are in great position at least in the NFC East to make the playoffs. They should make the playoffs. They're talented enough to do so. But it's going to depend on the health of Saquon Barkley and if Daniel Jones has matured in terms of his game and not going to be fumbling the football and throwing interceptions in big moments and key opportunities for the Giants to win, right? Because the Giants offense was terrible last year, and that's not necessarily only on the offensive coordinator. That's on Daniel Jones not taking care of the football. And you know, and even though I liked what Wayne Goldman brought in terms of running back ability – Daniel Jones has got to show that he has ability, right? He's got to show that he's not going to turn over the football over so much and at least put the Giants in a pr- good position to be successful. So that's how I feel about it. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Shred Takes podcast show. Make sure to like, make sure to subscribe for more updates. I'm also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so make sure you subscribe and give me a five-star review if, when you get a chance. I really appreciate that. Thank you, and I hope you guys have a good rest of your Sunday, and I will see you guys next week. Take it easy.